0: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. report, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Radio. Hello. My name is Albert Lee Gillary, and I'm the senator for the 24th district right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently, I made what many are referring to as a bold decision to switch my party affiliation to the Republican Party. I wanted to take a moment to explain why I chose to become a Republican, and also to explain why I don't think it was a bold decision at all. It is the right decision, not only for me, but for all my brothers and sisters in the black community. You see, in recent history, the Democrat Party has created. Hello, my name is Albert Lee Gillery, and I'm the senator for the 24th district right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently, I made what.
2: ¡Bien kepses la mente! ¡Es no necesaria
3: I number myself as one. Well, welcome to another um, thrilling episode of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Uh, Today's date is, wow, July 3rd, 2018, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. And tonight... We have a special show tonight, because tonight was supposed to be about um, how the media sucks on be damned. We're not going to talk about the media tonight, because I'm sure you guys are getting quiet enough of that. Just watching the news every night. So tonight we're going to talk about something special. Something really close to my heart and stuff that really just shakes my ass. I'm going to be honest with you right here and now. It's craziness. Yeah. I'm talking about socialism. And it's been it's been at the forefront these last couple of weeks as a result of um Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, my home girl from the island of Puerto Rico, although I don't know. I don't I wonder if she's actually ever visited the island. You know, so many Puerto Ricans claim to be Puerto Rican and never set foot on the island. Um born here in the United States, and you know, it's a short hop to get to to PR, but some folks never managed to make it, but they claim to be PR through and through. But that's another story for another time. Let's talk about my home girl Alexandria Cagio cortez Apparently, she's been faking the funk. All about socialism, all about free stuff. But apparently... She's not who she says she is. Been brought up in a nice fine home, living large, taking advantage of every capitalist opportunity, but she wants everybody to get something for nothing. Free stuff. Free. It's all free. Somehow, college for free is is all the rage now folks want free college now how is it free who, who, who actually pays for that I mean how do you do that I have a, I have a friend uh, a new friend who is a teacher and she teaches high school Spanish now I wonder if she'd be obliged to teach high school Spanish for free I mean, aside from her job of teaching high school Spanish, her, her day job, if, 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 if she were forced by the government to teach Spanish at night, say, four hours a night every night for five nights. Because, of course, for Spanish, for, for, for education to be free, somebody has to actually give up their time. And and, and and teach or, or, or they're teaching for free Who's, who's going to teach for free Who pays the teacher to teach All this stuff about Getting stuff for free Because socialism as we're going to find out Is all about getting something For nothing Nothing at all So join me Let's talk about capitalism versus socialism. But now we're going to go to class. I'm going to take you to school. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
0: Capitalism revolves around private property. Products and services are supposed to be provided by individuals who sell on the open market based on supply and demand. However, people like Karl Marx considered capitalism unfair towards the average worker and wanted to create a system in which everyone is equal. Marx said capitalism needs to initially be replaced by socialism. Under socialism, the state would gain control over the means of production, such as land and natural resources. In his view, socialism itself would eventually be replaced by communism, under which absolutely everyone is equal, and the state doesn't even have to exist. So far, contrary to what most people think, communism, as defined by Marx, never materialized anywhere. Even in the USSR, you still had a state, and therefore, it was not something Marx would consider communism, it was still socialism. As of 1848, socialism spread to a lot of countries. This economic model, however, wasn't very efficient, as illustrated by the poor economic performance of the USSR and the countries under its sphere of influence. Today, that form of socialism only exists in isolated countries such as North Korea and Venezuela. Instead, socialism has morphed and we now have three main trends. One, Chinese socialism, with a high dose of capitalism, but no democracy. Two, democratic socialism, such as in Northern Europe, with democracy and private property, but heavy redistribution through high levels of taxation. Three, socialism as a component of capitalism, present in countries such as the U.S. or the U.K., which lean more towards capitalism, but still have state-funded social programs. As can be seen, pure communism and capitalism don't exist at this point, and instead, we have various combinations between the two. When you
1: see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, uh, when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power with it, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism and whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other <laughs> fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their self-interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way in the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worse, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. And what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And Just tell me, where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us? Well, I don't even trust you to do that.
3: No doubt. One of my personal heroes, Milton Friedman um, Talking about um, Capitalism versus socialism You know We hear about it and we talk about it And it all sounds so great, right? We all gonna get, get some free stuff uh, Kids are going to get free education Free housing Free food Free clothing Everything is going to be free But <laughs> While thrones of young people are cheering loudly for all this stuff. Cheering for avowed socialist Bernie Sanders and my home girl Ocasio Cortez. Socialism has turned oil rich Venezuela into a place where there are shortages of everything from toilet paper to beer, to soap, where electricity keeps shutting down, and where there are long lines of people hoping to get food, people complaining that they cannot feed their families. it was supposed to be a socialist, Venezuela was supposed to be a socialist utopia, wasn't it? What happened? What happened to this socialist utopia that uh, that Chavez um, said, said was going to be and was going to last? Well, it hadn't last, and it hasn't worked anywhere, folks. Nowhere on earth has socialism flourished and worked. With national income going down and prices going up under triple-digit inflation in Venezuela, these complaints are by no means frivolous. We, we see it. You can see it. It's on the news every night. But you know, it's doubtful if the young people cheering for Bernie Sanders and Cortez have heard of such things whether in Venezuela or in other countries around the world, that have turned their economies over to politicians and bureaucrats to run? Do you trust Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders to preside over your personal welfare and that of your children and grandchildren? Because ultimately, these are the people, if... Socialism were to be enacted in full force They would be deciding for you How much money you can make Where you can live How many cars you can own How much clothing All of these things would be decided by Quote The state In quote I.E. Cortez And Bernie Sanders Or people very much like them They will decide for you Is that what you want? People to decide for you how much you can have because that's what happens with socialism. The state takes over. Now, for example, the anti-capitalist policies in Venezuela have worked so well that the number of companies in Venezuela is now a fraction of what it once was. That should certainly reduce capitalist exploitation, shouldn't it? But people who attribute income inequality to capitalists exploiting workers, as Karl Marx claimed, never seem to get around to testing that belief against actual facts such as the fact that none of the Marxist regimes around the world have ever had as high a standard of living for working people as there is in many capitalist countries. Now, these are facts, folks. These aren't opinions. But facts are seldom allowed to contaminate the beautiful vision of the left. What matters to the true believers… Are the ringing slogans endlessly repeated? And some of us have heard them when Senator Sanders cries, "The quote, the system is rigged." End quote. No one asked just what specifically does that mean. Or, quote, "What facts do you have to back that up, Bernie?" End quote. Those are my quotes. In 2015, the 400 richest people in the world had net losses, not net gains, folks. Let me repeat. In 2015, the 400 richest people in the world had net losses of $19 billion. If they had rigged the system, surely they could have rigged it a little better than that. But the very idea of subjecting their pet notions to the test of hard facts will probably not even occur to those who are cheering for socialism and for other bright ideas of the political left. How many of the people who are demanding an increase in the minimum wage have even bothered to check what actually happens when higher minimum wages are imposed. More often, they just assume what is assumed by their like-minded peers, sometimes known as uh, um, everybody, with their assumptions being what everybody knows. Back in 1948, when inflation had rendered meaningless the minimum wage, established a decade earlier, the unemployment rate among 16- and 17-year-old black males was under 10%. But after the minimum wage was raised repeatedly to keep up with inflation, the unemployment rate for black males at that age was never under 30% for more than 20 consecutive years, from 1971 through 1994. In many of those years, the unemployment rate for black youngsters that age exceeded forty percent, and for a couple of years, it, it even exceeded fifty percent. Yeah, and the damage is even greater than these statistics might might suggest. Most low rate wage jobs are entirely are are, are entirely entry level jobs. young people move up and out of after acquiring work experience and a track record that makes them eligible for better jobs. But you can't move up the ladder if you don't get on the damn ladder. And the great promise of socialism is something for nothing, literally, figuratively, it is one of these signs of today's dumbed down education that so many college students seem to think that the cost of their education should and will be paid by raising taxes on the rich. Here again, just a just a little check on the facts would reveal that higher tax rates on upper income earners do not automatically translate into more tax revenue coming into the government. Often, high tax rates have led to less revenue than lower tax rates. Now, do the math. In a globalized economy, high tax rates may just lead investors to invest in other countries. With lower tax rates, that means that jobs created by those investments will be overseas and not here in the United States. So, I guess to counter that, uh, liberals will say, "Well, we we must enact a law to keep companies from going overseas." We must force companies to remain and keep their businesses here in the United States. Well, what happens if the company just says, you know what, I just can't afford to, I just can't afford to operate? The taxes are too high. The wage system is too high. I can't afford it. The overhead's too much, so I'm going to close my business. Boom. You're done. Game over. No taxes. No jobs. No money. No money. No money. But what what I mean, what what else then? Force the company to remain in business? How do you do that? This is an Atlas shrug, baby. None of this is rocket science folks. It's just simple math and common sense. But you do have to stop and think. And that is what too many of our schools and colleges are failing to teach their students to do. It's just plain common sense. You can't get something for nothing and expect the system not to collapse. So, think about that for a minute. And uh, while you do that, we're going to take a short break. And we'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, Dr. C. Robert Jones.
2: Hey, wake up!
1: With the Wow Wake Up Call, every weekday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Wow Media Network. Join the discussion. Sacred honor was smiled upon by God and freed from chains and iron collar. He is held aloft on unity and by history revered for preserving peace through strength. His wings now reach across two hundred years. But for each of those in one year more, God has smiled upon the core from the Barbary coast to the eastern sand by sword, by gun, or by bare hand. So it's been and shall be weighed Though many are born, few are made Faithful always, they shall remain Dogs to loose when war is waged.
4: Democratic Socialism It's not the same as Socialism Socialism Because it's democratic. Right? Or something. Right? People are buying that. People buy that now. Right? Apparently. As though adding the word democratic in front of a word changes what it means. Just because we toss something to a vote doesn't change what that something is. Nor does it alter whether that something is inherently good or bad. Couple of examples, because I know you'll ask. Hamas! was democratically elected as a government in Gaza, despite the fact that the destruction of not only Israel, but the eradication of all Jews is in their official charter. Robert Mugabe, or Bobby Mugabe if you prefer, was democratically elected by a loving majority in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, how's that working out? Venezuela? Well, Hugo Chavez, noted personal favorite and friend of Sean Penn, to whom he constantly pointed as being unfairly characterized as a dictator when, in fact, he was democratically elected as a socialist, well, how'd that work out for Venezuela? Well, it's now on the brink of collapse, despite it being one of the most resource-rich nations in the entire world. Basic things like eggs, milk, flour, and toilet paper are either too expensive for the average Venezuelan or simply out of stock. Out of stock, mind you, democratically. I know. Some of you will say, well, that's not fair, because really, we knew all along it technically was a dictatorship. Okay, that's fair. Let's move on to example number two. Denmark! Okay, here's the time where you point to an entirely homogenous population, about 160th the size of America's, and you point to that as the blueprint. Okay, let's go there. This is a place where the middle class can't even afford a car because of the 180% new car tax. And the Prime Minister was so fed up with Americans pointing to it as a beacon for socialist success that he felt compelled to clarify, I would like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. Sweden? I love Sweden. Okay, great bikini team and... Thanks to that country, my arm now doubles as a bookcase. Speaking of which, the founder of IKEA, let's be honest, the only really cool export from Sweden, aside from a few good hockey players, left Sweden because of the stifling high tax rate. So, Sweden, good place, not bad people, but a successful model for a viable economy in today's global market? Incorrect. The fact is that over time, the greatest enemy of socialism is reality. The reality that human nature will invariably pull certain people toward individualism and success and others toward laziness and collectivism. The tension between the makers and the takers always, always leads to socialism's inevitable collapse. But I know that I can give you examples of failed socialist economies until I'm blue in the face, and you won't care. Because at least socialism is inherently more morally altruistic than the evil, greedy, capitalist warmongering seen in the West. Greed? What's more greedy than wanting to take from someone else something that you haven't earned? Unlike capitalism, free enterprise, which can only occur truly through voluntary transaction, socialism can only occur at gunpoint. That's what it comes down to. If you don't pay your taxes, once you get through the IRS and the auditing and the lawyers and the PR stunts, People make you give the government your money, increasing amount of your money, the more successful you are, or they send in scary men with guns to take you away. Now, so long as the people having their stuff taken away at gunpoint are in the minority, and the majority feels that they'll get to benefit from more said taken stuff, you'll always be able to win that decision through a popular vote and claim the moral high ground through democracy. Putting the word... Democratic in front of your socialism doesn't make it any inherently more moral, nor less violent. Did you get that? American wannabe socialists also. Get a job. Please, like a real job. You'll probably have to shave first. I'm Steven Crowder for Prager University. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, click here. To help keep our videos free,
1: donate here.
3: All right. Welcome back folks to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, Dr. C. Robert Jones. So. We're getting a crash course right now in socialism versus capitalism. And I hope that uh, at least some of this has been enlightening because I am um, I'm uh, concerned about it. Because, you know, the whole our whole system is is based on merit. You work hard and you reap the uh, the rewards of, of hard work and hard and effort. I mean, so many uh, of us um, become successful because we, we work hard, but when we're given something for nothing, some, uh, items that we hadn't earned, um, we tend to not to appreciate them as much. And I, I just think that it's a, it's a shocking turn of events when we have uh, our young people who um, are seeking to get something from nothing, nothing at all, without any effort. Where are the hard workers? Where are the people who strive for success? Where are the young people who want to make their own way without government assistance? I find less and less – I find that there is less and less evidence that you know we're still a nation where, where effort, drive, ambition – are hailed are, are 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 well thought of. Now it's all about what can you do for me? What's in it for me? Where's mine? And although that works in my hometown of Chicago, because frankly where's mine and what's in it for me it's our motto in in Chicago. But you know we we we, we get our stuff honestly. We just want to know you know when we when we work hard, whether it's crooked, whether it's uh you know whether we it's under the table, you know we still work for it, so we want ours, so where's mine and what's in it for me is justly earned but the 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 children nowadays. The young people are all about where is mine and what's in it for me without ever even considering putting in any effort. Don't you? Aren't you concerned about that? Because honestly, as much as I don't want to believe this, a lot of these young people are going to be running things in a few years. Now, either they're going to go out into the world and get a rude awakening that... They're actually gonna to have to produce, they're going to have to be productive or <laughs> or they're gonna to continue to say, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. Where is mine? I exist, therefore you owe me. I mean, and when 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 the young people, the millennials, cite that, well, we live in the richest country on the face of the planet. We should be able to feed people. We should be able to to uh, to clothe people. We should be able to house people. Well, we we what they fail to understand is that we live in the richest. Country the most productive country because we're, we're productive
1: <laughs> we, work, we work hard
3: you know nothing's for free but all too often young people want something for nothing so let's let's take a quick uh, socialism for for dummies' course here or for smart people, if you will, socialism. Socialism is a concept that individuals uh, should not have ownership of land. They shouldn't have ownership of land, capital, money, or industry like uh, uh, factories or anything like that. But rather, the whole community, the community collectively owns and controls property, goods, and the production of stuff. Ideally, in this system, all share equally in work and the fruits of their labor. And ideally, this is a a Christian version of help the poor and needy sharing equally. That's real nice, isn't it? But in the real world, this can cause a hell of a lot of problems. So we're going to skip over Communism. Or should we? Yeah, let's go ahead and skip over that. Let's check it out. All right, so capitalism. Under capitalism, individuals own and control land, capital, and production of industry. Individuals are free to purchase and own their own homes, cars, furniture, and other goods such as TV, radios, computers, boats, cell phones, or anything else that they might want. You, as an individual, have total freedom to live where you want and what type of job field you want to pursue. If you have an idea for a new business or invention, you're free to pursue this without government interference. Under this system, you have the maximum number of choices in life. This is the, quote, pursuit of happiness, end quote, from the Declaration of Independence. This is what it really means. So without going any further, and we will, which one do you choose? I mean, just off the top of your head right now, which one of these two would you prefer, prefer, socialism or capitalism? Now, mind you, what I've just said, the definitions that I've just provided are not my own. They're not my opinions or anything like that. These are the definitions of the two. Which do you prefer? Because, honestly, it really all boils down to freedom. Freedom to choose. Freedom to be. Freedom to think. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about America's first experiment with socialism. The first experiment with socialism. First recorded, after, after all. Okay, so after the Pilgrims landed in 1620, they decided that they would plant a community garden and share the fruits and vegetables equally at the end of the season. How nice. The idea was that all would work together and share equally at the end of the season. However, no one wanted to work in the gardens. Most were reluctant to do the planning. You see where I'm going here, right? Most were reluctant to do the planting and weed a garden that wasn't theirs. That first year, the gardens were not well kept. Yeah, and they had had poor crops, which led to hunger the next winter. Under this system, by 1623, the colony was facing starvation. It was decided that a new system Be used The following year And that was That each family was given a plot of land To garden In proportion to its size They would be allowed To keep the fruits and vegetables For themselves Boom Drop it like it's hot baby It worked out great Yeah So On that small scale was our first recorded socialist experiment, and it didn't work, baby. No, 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 no. Imagine. All right, so here's Governor uh, William uh, Bradford's account of the situation, the way he summed it up at the time. He said, this had very good success, for it made all hands industrious. So as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been by any means the governor or any other could use. And saved them a great deal of trouble and gave far better content. Women now went willingly willingly into the fields and took their little ones with them to set corn, which before would allege weakness and inability. Whom to have compelled would have been thought great tyranny and oppression. Yes, that's a lot of flowery language. I'm reading it, obviously. I I couldn't even make out what the hell that just meant, but it meant that you know I'm doing, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that it meant if you have your own land and you have to count on yourself to feed yourself, you're going to get your ass out there and work. And you're going to get out there and work, and you're going to plant that damn corn, and you're going to wait for it to harvest, and then you're going to chow down. But if you're in a community workforce, and chances are you're not going to get as much corn because all of you are sharing in the corn, and you're still working your ass off to plant the corn and harvest the corn but you're going to get like 7 or 8 stalks out of, out of five or 500 or so because you got to pass all that shit out but if you've got your own land and you're planting your own corn you keep 100, 200 and you chow down all the time and the only thing you have to worry about is that there's not enough butter to to pour on this corn. Drench it like I like it. All right, let's go with a modern-day example. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak built the first Apple computer out of their garage. They were just young men with, with an idea that people would like to own their own affordable computers. They didn't have enough money to start a company, so they sought out money from, cap- from a capitalist. Wow, what? This could have been a bank or, or, or just some rich individual. In their case, it was a uh, multi—it was multimillionaire Mike McCula. Mike McCullough, who provided essential business expertise and funding of approximately two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Jobs and Wozniak were right. People did want to own home computers and sales took off. Today, Apple employs over 48,000 employees worldwide and has annual sales of over $65 billion. As of September 2011, Apple is the largest publicly traded company in the world by market capitalization and the largest technology company in the world by revenue and profit. Free enterprise, baby. Capitalism allowed these two men the freedom to buy parts for the first prototype computer, the freedom to seek out funds to set up a new company, develop production and distribution to customers. It. Is the American is the American enterprise of invention, which we call capitalism, not on full display here? Did jobs and Wozniak steal from the poor to become rich? No. They took a gamble and they might have lost. But instead they won, like my man Trump, winning. They ended up creating great wealth for themselves for their employees for their stockholders they did not steal money from anybody how can Bernie or any socialist say that this example is an example of how the rich get rich off the backs of the poor take from the rich and give to the poor it's called uh, income redistribution but Steve Jobs wasn't born rich he became rich by following his dream and by hard work in doing so he created new products he created a new company and new jobs this all worked to create more wealth for many people he didn't steal his money from the poor Like some progressive liberals would have you believe He created his money So should he And all other rich people Have to give their money away Until everyone in America Has an equal amount of their bread This is the mentality of liberals They sold this on the poor This is the lie of the communist social social justice ideology. The idea that all capitalists steal money from the poor is utter nonsense. Most capitalists create money through innovation and new ideas, hard work, good investments, good business decisions, and properly managing those assets. Now, it's true there are dishonest crooks in business, Can and do steal under capitalism they are also crooks and thieves Under socialism and communism Human nature being what it is People tend to be lazy What can I get Without having to work for it If I can steal it Without having to work to get it Maybe I'll just take it Maybe mom and dad Will just give me my allowance Even though I didn't clean the kitchen like I was supposed to do. Something for nothing. We always want the easy way, don't we? Even me. I'll admit it. Veterans Day comes around. Hell to the yeah. I'm hitting all of the spots. Krispy Kreme. I'm headed to Starbucks. I'm, I have a list. Of places that are going to give me something for free. Because I i am a veteran. I served my country. I was a warrior. I was wounded in combat. I did battle against the forces of evil for my country. And you know what? You owe me that glazed. You owe me that chai latte for my service. Oh, no, hell no, they don't. I'm not owed a damn thing. But I'll admit I'll, I'll I'll say hey, yeah. I'm a veteran. I'll put my 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 ID card on the table and take my my free donut. I'll proudly walk out the door, no shame, none, none, mind you. But mine is a mine is a simple example. It just, I mean, it's human nature to do that. But in the end. Most of us take great joy and great pride for working for what we get, working for it, earning what we have. A good day's work, hard day's work, and to be paid for that work, I mean, it, it's a great high. To be able to take your money and pay your bills and, or, or to buy something nice for yourself or a member of your family – after working like a dog to get it is fulfilling. Don't you think so? So, let's move on. We only have about nine minutes to go. Why socialism or communism doesn't work? I'm going to finish this up. Why socialism or communism doesn't work? If you don't own it, You're not going to work or take care of it. Uh, Look at apartments that are turned into condos. When apartments are rented, the renters don't own the apartments. They're not likely to care if something gets broken or mistreated, thus lowering the value because it's not theirs to begin with. It's the landlord's. It's his problem. Who cares? No skin off my nose. No skin off my back. Right? Some of us have been there. However, once the people buy the condos and it becomes their property, they now have a vested interest in keeping it in good shape. While they were renters, they were living under socialism, no ownership. Once they bought the condo, they became capitalist, ownership, and their thinking changed. Under true socialism or capitalism, Steve Jobs could not have bought the parts for his prototype computer. If he knew that his hard work would never allow him to make more money than his neighbor, who spends his time watching mindless TV shows, why would he even bother to waste his time trying to invest or invent something new and useful? Why not take it easy? Everybody else does. In Germany and France, union employees get months of paid vacation time. Take it easy. you get paid. You don't really have to work very hard. You're going to get paid anyway. Why work hard when you're going to get paid anyway? Where's the effort? You don't need to. There's no effort necessary. And another thing, socialism and communism kill the will to work. Competition, innovation, and creativity, it's all gone. Why compete to work? You won't make any more money. Why spend time innovating? Why, why come up with new ideas? Why, why be creative? There won't be anything in it for you. And as a result, those who, who think that way fail to provide goods and services for their citizens. The Soviet Eastern community Uh, The the Soviet Eastern communist countries of the 20th century were noted for not having much goods and services for their citizens, yet the ruling class always had plenty of everything, and it was usually imported from capitalist countries. Now, while we have rich people in America, we also have a large middle class that live very comfortable lives, even many if not most poor people in America have refrigerators, TVs, food and you know those damn cell phones I see you, we all see it I mean even little kids have $300 cell phones and the poorest mamas and daddies in some of the places that I go to, the poorest little kids have uh, $100 shoes hundred dollar uh uh Nikes or, or or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. I don't need to go there right now, but you know what I'm saying. You know what you know what I'm putting out there. Socialism and communism cost money, folks. It costs money. Under the Soviet communist rule Well wait a minute now. Under under semi-socialism in many Western European countries, the citizens are taxed at high rates of 50 to 75% of their incomes. In return, the, the state provides cradle-to-grave coverage of health care. So are you getting that free health care? <laughs> How's that working out? Remember what I just said? Let me repeat it. Under semi-socialism in many Western European countries, today, the citizens are taxed at high rates of 50 to 75% of their income. And in return, the state provides cradle-to-grave health care coverage, union jobs, subsidized corporations, and subsidized transportation systems. They get all that good stuff. In exchange for 50 to 75 percent taxes because in the end folks somebody has to pay for all this stuff guess what it's not going to be the rich the one percenters because all they have to do is just stop working they can just stop and then where will you be? Because if you're counting on the rich to subsidize you, well, it just doesn't work that way. So tonight we've had a lesson in socialism versus capitalism, capitalism versus socialism. Do the math, folks. Do the math. Think about it. Because you might be able to get something for nothing, but it's not going to last very long. And I'm going to leave you with these words from my girl, Margaret Thatcher. She's going to explain it to you in real simple terms. Thank you for listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report, folks. I know you could be doing almost anything right now. You chose to listen to my broadcast, and I certainly do appreciate it. Come on back. Tune in again to the Dr. C. Robert Jones situation report. I'm going to leave you with my girl. She's going to put it down for you.
2: I give way to the
1: honourable gentleman.
5: There is no doubt that the Prime Minister has in many ways achieved substantial success. Yeah. In the economy. Yeah. Yeah. There is there is one statistic that I understand is not however challenging. And that is that over her 11 years, The gap between the richest 10% and the poorest 10% in this country has widened substantially. How can she say at the end of her chapter of British politics that she can justify many people in a constituency such as mine being relatively much poorer, much less well-housed
4: and much less
5: well-provided than it was in 1979? Surely she accepts. That is not a record that she, or any Prime Minister, can be proud of.
2: Mr Speaker, all levels of income are better off than they were in 1979. But what the Honourable Member is saying is that he would rather the poor were poorer, provided the rich were less rich. That way, you will never create the wealth for better social services as we have. And what a policy! Yes, he would rather have the Poor poorer. Provides a richer legacy. No that is a liberal policy. Yes, it came out. He didn't intend it to, but he I did. To the, I give way to the honourable gentleman. I am extremely, extremely grateful.
5: The, the, the prime minister is aware that uh, I detest every single one of her domestic policies, and have never had that. And I
2: think that the honourable gentleman knows that I have the same contempt for his socialist policies as the people of East Europe who have experienced it have it for I think I must have hit the right nail on the head when I pointed out that the logic of those policies are they'd rather have the poor poorer. Once they start to talk about the gap, they'd rather the gap were that. Down here. That. Not That. So long as the gap is smaller, so long as the gap is smaller, they'd rather have the poor poorer. You do not create wealth and opportunity that way. You do not create a property-owning democracy that way.